So act one, scene one of Shakespeare's Macbeth. It's late at night. There's a dense fog and its tendrils stretch out over the landscape. There's thunder, lightning, and rain. And three witches converge on an abandoned Scottish heath. And the conversation that ensues goes like this. Where shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or rain? When the hurly-burly is done and the battle is lost and won, that will ere be the set of sun. Where the place upon the heath there to meet with Macbeth? At which point the three witches hear their spirit familiars calling to them, I come, Grey Malkin, Paddock calls, anon. And then together in unison they incant, fair is foul and foul is fair, hover through the fog and filthy air. When I first read those words many years ago, I was surprised at the power of sort of the wayward rhythm in these witches' songs. And as Martha Rainbolt or Kate Berry or any other literature expert would undoubtedly explain to you, all great literature contains universal themes. All great stories speak to us because they're about us. We see ourselves in them. So we ask, what do the witches represent? Well, they represent the power of evil at work in the world around us. We can sense its conniving presence. Who does Macbeth rep uh, represent? You and me in our constant temptation to yield to blind ambition. We experience the story as it connects to us and universal themes about life which we experience. And this is all the more true of inspired literature. Because when God's spirit gets involved in shaping the story, it becomes even more powerful, more piercing, more relevant to us. So I want, us, I want to invite us this morning to see today's epic story of Noah and the flood through the eyes of a literary analyst asking questions on that level. What do the different elements of the story represent? What are the universal themes embedded in this story? What about this flood narrative is so powerful that it's been handed down from generation to generation over the course of millennia to us today? I realize that the story of Noah and the flood raises difficult theological questions, such as would God really condemn every living creature to death, even innocent children and animals through a cataclysmic flood? Now, some people would respond to that question by saying, yes, it says in the text, all of humanity had become so corrupted that it was necessary for God to, to hit restart on the world, to wipe the slate clean so the world could have a fresh start. Others would say no about this story. This notion that God would destroy even innocent children and animals is an old way of viewing God that was updated, even corrected, by Jesus of Nazareth and the authors of the New Testament. So I don't want us to get today caught up in that kind of theological quibbling 
There's a place for that, but not in today's sermon. Rather, I want us to focus on the powerful and practical lessons that we can learn through this story. In other words, how God might speak through it to us. The, no the story of Noah has a phenomenal narrative arc. Get it? <laughs> okay, actually, there's all kinds of jokes that I could tell you this morning about this story. So how about just a sampling, okay? What kind of lights did Noah install on the ark? Floodlights, Flood right, yes, okay. Where did Noah keep the honeybees on the ark? In the ark hive, of course. Oh. Yeah, no, that's bad. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's take this story Let's take this story apart piece by piece and then let's put it back together and see what sense we can, we can make of it. So let's, ask, let's begin by asking this very basic question. What does Noah represent in this story? Now you know this story, I'm sure. One day, sometime in the middle of his very long life, Noah receives a message from God and we're not told exactly how this message came to him. But somehow Noah senses God saying to him, get ready, there's going to be this cataclysmic flood that's going to wash everything away. So imagine the emotional impact this would have had on Noah and his family. He's being told here that everything he had known, life as they knew it, was going to suddenly be swept away. And I'm sure that Noah was thinking to himself, God I never thought it would happen this way. I thought I would spend the rest of our lives living in this house, living in this city, surrounded by these people, raising our flocks and enjoying life. But now Noah was being told, like the people of North Carolina last year, get ready because everything you know is going to be submerged in water and swept away. And then it happened. It started to rain and rain and rain and the waters accumulated and the ark began to float and before long, utter devastation. Genesis 7, 21, all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, animals, human beings, everything on dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life, in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. So imagine Noah seeing people and animals floating in the water devastation everyone and everything they had treasured gone that's I think what Noah represents in this story Noah represents any person who has experienced tragic loss in this life and that that means Noah represents you and me because every single one of us is going to experience tragic loss in life in fact the truth is, if we were to put it very plainly and very bluntly, every single one of us is in slow motion reliving the story of Noah and the flood. Because eventually, everyone you know and everything you know and hold dear is going to be washed away by time in this earthly veil. That's our universal theme, I think, that we see in this story. So what are we supposed to do with that? We know friends who, in an instant, with a diagnosis of cancer or some other disease, life as they know it has been swept away. 
Nothing will ever be the same for them again. God, I never saw it happening this way. I can't breathe. I'm drowning. And here comes the waves and billows of sorrow and grief, anguish, anger, confusion washing over them. God, how will I ever get through this? That's what Noah, I think, represents. Life out of control. When we are young, we have all kinds of illusions about life. We think we're invincible. We think we have everything under control. We've got our plan. We're going to execute it. I can design my life. And then, as we get older, life can begin to slap us upside the head. And it doesn't take very long for us to realize that life is going to take us where it wills. That the circumstances of life are going to force us to go sometimes where we do not choose. Where we even sometimes don't wish to go. Mike Tyson used to say, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> that cuts right to it. What will you do when life punches you in the face? Cancer. The loss of a child. The loss of a spouse. Divorce. The loss of a job. The ruin of a career. The family that ostracizes you. The ravages of old age. When the floods of life come, will you be ready? This brings us to the second key question in this story of Noah and the flood. What does the ark represent in this story? Genesis 6.14, God said to Noah, make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. It's width, 50 cubits. It's height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and put the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. So can you imagine what Noah was thinking here? Did I hear you right, God? Can you be serious? You want me to build a boat the size of a small ship miles from the sea. Everybody is in, this, in this town is going to think I'm completely crazy. And yet, for some reason, somehow, and in some way, Noah began constructing the ark, one plank at a time, month by month, year by year, he assembles this incredible ark. Hebrews 11.7 7 says, by faith, warned by God about events yet unseen, Noah respected the warning and built an ark to save his household. So what does the ark represent in this story? I think the answer is faith. Noah and his family were saved by faith. They were saved from the flood by their faith. And what worked back then works equally well for us today. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it in the lives of people around me. The only way to get through the floods of life without sinking to the bottom without losing your love for life. The only way to get through it is by faith. People who spend years patiently building their faith somehow have a miraculous ability to float on top of the water when the floods of life come. Are you building that kind of faith? 
don't wait until the rain starts it might be too late at that point there was a group of retirees who were on a charter flight on their way to florida and while they were in the air they encountered this terrible storm and such turbulence that before long one of the plane's engines just stalled out and then the second engine of the plane flamed out and people were on the verge of panic as the plane started to lose altitude it was at that point when a retired minister who was on the flight called out and said everybody keep calm let's all bow our heads in prayer and everybody did so except for one man who kept his head up his eyes open and finally somebody asked him why aren't you praying and he responded well I don't know how to pray to which the minister who heard that answer responded well then just do something religious so the man started to pass his hat up and down the aisle collecting money <laughs> the moral of this story being if you wait until a crisis comes to figure out what mature deep faith looks like it might be too late instead like Noah we're called to begin making preparation for what life is going to bring our way building plank by plank building a kind of faith that will secure us so that we're able to float in the storms of life and you know what this simply means friends every worship experience you have every time you pray every time you get up in the morning and have a time where you have devotions or a meditation time with God every time you serve someone else or every act of Christ-like kindness and generosity to other every every spiritual small group that you participate in every worship song you learn plank by plank little by little piece by piece we are in the process of building a faith that will be so strong that it can and will withstand the storms of life I could tell you story after story about how one person's faith kept other people alive faith floats it keeps us from sinking I've seen it with my own eyes I've, I've witnessed it this week in the life of people here people whose faith gives them strength to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with serenity I've seen it with my own eyes in the life of the people who come to our non-food pantry I'm thinking in particular of one single mother abandoned by an irresponsible and selfish man but a mother who gets up each morning not knowing what the day will bring but who by faith she has a strong faith who by faith keeps walking forward keeps loving and providing for her children I want the, that kind of faith and if we build it one plank at a time we can experience that kind of faith please note that the miracle that Noah received was not that he was exempted from the flood the miracle he received was that he survived it Isaiah 43 2, God says when you pass through the waters I will be with you and the rivers shall not overwhelm you when you walk through the fire you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you do not fear for I will be with you you see 
That's what faith teaches us. Faith teaches us that we are never alone. That the God of love is with us. Even when we sometimes can't sense it, God is right there with us. There is a presence with us that if we have built our faith plank by plank over time, that will keep us afloat when all natural power has failed us. And this brings us to our last question. What does the rainbow represent in Noah's story? Quickly, as I end this sermon, you know how this story ends, right? The rains stop. The ark comes to rest on dry ground. Noah and his family, they emerge into this completely new and bleak world. Everything and everyone they had treasured is gone, and now they are alone, and they no sooner exit the ark than they look up into the sky, and what they see there is a rainbow. What does that rainbow represent? That rainbow, I think, represents beauty on the other side of tragedy in our life. Now, my point here is not to minimize the great suffering that they experienced or that we experience when we walk through the tragedies of life. All those losses, that pain is real and that suffering is great. But when they looked up, they saw this rainbow. And what it reminded them of is the fact that God was still with them, that there would be a new life. There would be a good life. And, that, and in that promise, their faith in that promise gave them strength to go forward in their post-tragedy life. That's how this rainbow promise works. You never know how exactly life is going to work out. You just know that beyond your broken dreams sometimes, beyond the floods of life, there is something good and something beautiful waiting for you. So you embrace that rainbow promise and it gives you strength to go forward. So friends, the next time life floods you out, I want you to remember this story of Noah and dare to relive it in your own way and in your own time. Faith, it's the only way to keep our heads above water when the storms of life come. Thanks be to God. Amen.